bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Barbara. And Barbara is back, everybody. Yay! Two weeks in a row. I'm, I'm your favorite co-host. I, you really are. We have great <laughs> discussions on and off the mic, honestly. Um, so, first of all, some housekeeping. Just a reminder, we have merch. Redbubble.com slash people slash bad and bitchy. Also, if you're listening, you've been listening for a while... Even if you're new, support us and our work on Patreon, patreon.com slash badandbitchy. And just a reminder, we have a weekly column in the Hill Times. If you're not a subscriber, we post all of our columns on our website, badandbitchy.com. Finally, we're on social media. All of our contact info can be found in the show notes. All right, Barbara, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's get into it. Mm. We're going to, so basically, let's talk about global protests and how they're rising like they're more numerous they seem to be longer i think the hong kong which is apparently the flagship this year mm-hmm. although i think black lives matter taught a lot of people about organizing and i think yes hong kong has been like the longest running one this year but mm-hmm. sudan also happened this year and sudan i think a lot of happened a lot year. of people have forgotten that yeah and that was a really big one as well but I'm yes. gonna let you. I'm gonna let you finish. I'll let. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, girl. By the way, speaking of which, yeah. did you see? Um, what is it? What is it? Kanye's. What's it called? The <sighs> Kanyella. Uh, is it his brunch thing? His brunch girl. Fifty five dollars. Not yet, not nary a mimosa in sight. I I genuinely. <laughs> and I thought to myself, who the fuck is going to buy food from Kanye West? Who is going to spend their money on Kanye West? And if you spend your money on Kanye West, you deserve what you get. White people. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kanye aggravates me to no ex- to like a, such a strong extent. I I can't stand him. It's because he's tap dancing and they're using him, and it's very obvious, and we can all see it, and we're like. Honestly, we're like, nigga, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he just, he, he doesn't need, I, I don't know what he needs. He right. needs, and he I'm needs trying a to, lobotomy. Uh, I, part of me is like, you know what? You have to be compassionate and, and empathetic because he's probably struggling with mental health and other aspects, but he's still responsible for his actions and he needs to like grow the fuck up and he needs better people around him. No shit. People he, that could tell him no. He needs people who can tell him no. People who can tell him you are you notice he's worse even though he uh, since he and jay-z split yeah he needs better people around him he needs boundaries he needs boundaries he also needs just like help people Mm -hmm. like i never want to get to a point where my friends and family cannot be like yo you you're fucking up what are you doing you need what are you doing everybody needs some licks every now and then to bring you to reality okay what in god's name are you doing i don't know and then this whole like jesus i don't even know what it's called his <sighs> album i have not listened to it and i will not listen to it i, I just, have because <laughs> <laughs> thoughts i <laughs> i like the album oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry sorry i did hear a couple sorry, people said it was good a couple sorry, people, i don't know what to tell you well like, it's good like, because of like the his uh choir is amazing his choir is amazing i didn't say okay so you could see from the last album i love yeah. how we just like now talking this about is our break 
um, how the last album was about, like, you could hear that influence already. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he's always had that influence. It's funny because I'm, I'm sort of, I wouldn't say teaching. I'm mm-hmm. exposing somebody at work to hip hop. Yeah. To the world of hip hop. Yeah. This is a white woman. Yeah. You know, Gen X, military. But Ooh. her niece mm-hmm. is really into hip hop dancing and okay. wants to make that a part of her career. Mm-hmm. So I, my next, my next lesson is mm-hmm. going to be you cannot understand hip hop without understanding race. Yeah. Oh. There's no way. No. If you don't understand race in class. In class, class is another as well. one. Class is a class big one. Class is a huge thing in hip hop mm-hmm. if you can't understand that if you can't understand power then i really wonder how you're listening to this music anyway okay back right what? before we okay. change our hip hop tangent okay there's a really cool podcast called dissect is it a hip hop podcast <gasps> they they break down different hip hop albums what? and then there's another one you know slow burn they did a series yes. on bill clinton their series right now is on tupac and biggie what okay so <laughs> thank you you know what you did barbara yeah. honestly i've been looking for hip-hop journalism yep. and hip-hop analysis mm-hmm. and somebody i was tweeting about this and somebody told me that that's really done in academia now yeah and i'm like really and he's like yeah and so like there's apparently so thank you for the racks yeah because i'm now i'm gonna go to slow burn because you're right slow i didn't want to listen to the bill clinton one because i was over it and oh, um was- but yeah no, but Slow Burn, the new Tupac and Biggie one, is really interesting. I, they only have one episode. And then the Dissect is different albums. And they nice. go track by track. Yes. It's there's, really interesting. There's also Rhythm and Flow. Have you watched it? No. Okay, I've watched it. I hear it's good. It's good. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I hear it's really good. Which means that my... I think I'll rustle up my Netflix subscription again. Because like, <laughs> I was waiting for Narcos Mexico <sighs> Season 2. Do we know when that's coming? Uh, Okay. So word on the street is that it's coming out in February. Okay. So I think in January, because I don't like to put those things on during Christmas. Yeah. Like now till like December, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sign up for anything new because the renewal period will come. Yeah. So um, there's Rhythm and Flow, Shad. Um, Shad's doing a documentary? Shad has a show. Really? On Netflix, hip hop. Oh gosh! Oh, that's Somebody, interesting. Yeah, he won a Peabody for I it. Know. Remember when, sh- when people were telling us the shad ain't shit? Yeah, I know. Remember when the Canadian media was telling us the shad ain't shit? Never. Okay, a lesson for everybody: never let anybody tell you what you're capable of. They mm. don't know, and they're just reflecting what they think they're capable yeah. of onto you. So don't listen to them. Okay. Shad is such an interesting character, personally for me. Oh yeah. Oh, he's 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 such an interesting. Like he has a really interesting path, and like for me, it's also like he's he has a Rwandese background. He does. Yeah, he does. Oh. So like that, he's a his real name is Shadrik. It's like oh. the most Rwandese name. <laughs> and yeah, no, he's a very interesting character, and he was. Yeah, no, the Canadian media did not recognize what they had there they disrespected him and then they put on tom power mm-hmm. tom power or whatever the f- you know he's so <laughs> milk toast. i don't even want to l- remember like his name yeah no there's hip-hop of- evolution is the name of the series it's okay. in its third season and apparently it's amazing okay i'll watch well, that well canada land had him on and i was just like what this is what he's doing this is amazing yeah, yeah that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so there's really good hip-hop like mm-hmm. stuff out there 
Um, and it's funny that we're talking about it within the context of global protesting mm-hmm. because hip hop is music of the underclass. It yeah. is protest music. Yep. It is resistance music. Mm-hmm. And while everybody was, you know, was was losing their head over a cop killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ice T being on SVU is the funniest <laughs> shit of lifetime. Okay. <laughs> it's as funny as Snoop and Martha. <laughs> Okay, respectability is found in these people. Uh, And, you know, like, but was he wrong about the context? No. Because the context is what we're dealing with today. Yeah. And even, I think music and protest is such an interesting combination. Yeah. So, Puerto Rico also happened this year. It feels (gasps) like it didn't happen. Oh my gosh, was that Puerto Rico happened this year. And they're still protesting. Yeah, they're back in the streets. So Puerto Rico is an interesting case and an interesting um, story just because they were considered to be a successful protest because they unseated the person who was uh, the governor. Um, Yes. Yeah, governor. Oh, Um, after the WhatsApp conversation. mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, The background to that is very interesting. There are a lot of really cool articles. Go go read it. It's, yeah. it's really interesting because it shows like when you have a certain elite class of people ruling class and they are they feel comfortable and free to say the things that they think, mm-hmm. you get a treasure trove and you can see how policy is made by them for them and not for the community. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But basically, so the first protests... A lot of it was driven by um, hip-hop artists like Residencia and Bad Bunny. Yes. And yes. And reggaeton artists. And reggaeton artists. So yeah. Bad Bunny and uh, Residencia. I love Bad Bunny. Oh, I do. Bad Bunny is the yeah. man of my dreams. Okay. So um, is it Don Omar? Or is it? No, no, no. It's not Don Omar. Fuck. I, I like. Uh, there's a hot. There's one who I'm just like, it could be Don Omar. No. Anyway, where I'm just like, oh, reggaeton. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like Bad Bunny just because he's he's so funny to me because he's the so he refuses to do interviews in English. Even Good for him. I'm pretty sure he speaks English. <laughs> oh, he he yeah. will always answer in Spanish, and even if it's an English language interview, he'll be like, I'm gonna answer in Spanish, and that's okay, and you're gonna translate it, and I don't care. He understands it perfectly, but he refuses to answer in English. That's identity. Beyond that, he has embraced just a super gender bendy, uh, be, like refusing to like um, fit into the binary and macho culture in Puerto Rico. Right, and that to me is so hot. It is, and it's subversive as fuck. Oh, I, by the way, speaking of subversive hot mm-hmm. shit, okay. <laughs> So, have you watched Godfather of Harlem? No. Okay. I saw the trailer. It looks amazing. Forrest, okay. What, Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. is a national treasure. Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. He, the fact that him and Wendell Pierce yeah. are getting their, like, days. Like, same with, um, what's his name, who played uh, Olivia Pope's father, um, oh, Joe Morton. Yes. They Ooh. are getting, because I watch... Um, god friended me mm-hmm. it's really nice because okay. i love like like strategic warfare shit mm-hmm. i yeah. love strategy i love political intrigue and shit mm-hmm. like that but sometimes it's heavy yeah it can be some heavy shit so that's my light shit <laughs> 
Um, I've decided that I'm not going to watch Basketball Wives or anything like that anymore because it's I don't like the way they portray black women. Mm, fair. Um, I'm done. Like mm-hmm. the last time, it drained me. Yeah. Yeah. It literally drained me, and I was just like, "This is." I don't know. I just didn't. Something about it just turned me off. So yeah. I look for more. I look to ballots with like positive, yeah. like, like Sanditon is is like a, a Jane Austen show yeah. in England. It's so it's so remote and random, and I love this show. <laughs> okay, I love this show. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you're right. You tell him off. He's an asshole. <laughs> anyway, so Forrest Whitaker has this show called Godfather of Harlem. Okay, it's not particularly remarkable. I feel like it's like. When I say it's not remarkable, it's not something new and profound. Mm-hmm. That, but it's done well. It's okay. kind of like a Goodfellas, okay, in Harlem, in Harlem, okay, for by black people. Mm-hmm. Then you have the blacks and the Italians. Vincent D'Onofrio is in it. Okay. And is there anything that Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> does not excel at in acting? <laughs> the man is underutilized, in my opinion. Yeah, he does such a good job in this piece. Yeah, but what it really is is the guy who plays Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Woo! Wow! <laughs> I was. You're just taken. Like, I I don't know what happened. I was yeah. just like, but I. Oh, I. Wow! Because he's equal parts sexy, mm-hmm. knowledgeable, yeah, unafraid, mm-hmm. courage, yeah, and love, yeah, for his people, and everything was just like. And just like guy, this is perfect this is perfect and the guy who plays it i'm just like where are you <laughs> <laughs> i need you in my life yeah, have i said this before exactly so there's that yeah. so yeah like uh, sorry going back to hip-hop and eventually we'll go back <laughs> to global protests but i think this is really interesting because what show was i watching they were talking about how hip-hop has spread throughout the world mm. and has become the music of these protests yeah. like we were just talking about mm-hmm. spain i think that there's a protest in spain i think it's the cattle is it the catalan okay so there are multiple things going on in spain and of course i know this why do i know this because you're international <laughs> so spain has a lot of things going on right now so they have the catalan and uh, separation movement and wanting that but that's kind of been squashed by the government so the the leaders of that movement were actually convicted Mm-hmm. earlier this year and actually the Catalan the leader of the movement specifically who asked for exile was denied exile in Canada did you see this I feel like I saw <laughs> something like this there was but this was also linked to some group mm-hmm. like there was a hip-hop group around I think yes I think it was Catalan so there's okay, a Catalan well, pros, um, protest protest that and was then this year right this no, it was two years ago. That started two years ago. Oh, yes. yes. I remember it's this. It's weird how in time, like, we kind of, like, it all melts together. What's currently happening in Spain, though, the protests, well, there's a Catalan stuff that's resurging again because people are unhappy. But currently, there's also the whole, pro- the trials of the wolf packs. Mm-hmm. So there were two incidents that happened, one last year and one this year. The one last year, it's the Wolfpack case in in Spain. Mm -hmm. So there were a group of uh, five men who gang raped. uh, Maybe we should put a trigger warning there, but like who gang raped uh, a woman. Mm -hmm. And she was unconscious when that happened. Mm -hmm. So they sexually assaulted her. Sounds like Brock Turner. Uh, wait it gets better it not get by that i mean yeah it's worse yeah um so they sexually assaulted this woman and she was unconscious throughout this whole thing and they filmed it 
and uh, they passed around the video. They were so the way Spanish law works for their for them to be uh, charged with sexual assault and be convicted of sexual assault. The woman or the person who is being sexually assaulted has to say no, like verbally say no. Oh, or there's not an opt in. You mm-mm. have to opt out. Yes. The assumption is that you're in. Yeah. Oh, so you have to physically resist or mm-hmm. say no mm-hmm. for it to be considered sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a lesser crime of sexual. What is it called? It's basically it's a lesser crime. Mm-hmm. It's considered to be a lesser crime with a lesser charge. Mm-hmm. So because she was unconscious, they they got the lesser charge. Mm. and this case went all the way to the supreme court really because it felt unfair Mm -hmm. because it the onus was being put on a woman who was unconscious to prove that she didn't want to be gang raped exactly wow so that was the first case that happened last year and went all the way up to the supreme court it was overturned at the supreme court Mm-hmm. And then there was a second case that happened this year. Mm-hmm. Same idea. Mm-hmm. A group of men mm-hmm. sexually assaulting a woman who was unconscious. And the same thing happened. Right. And now they're taking it to the Supreme Court and having it overturned. But that's just the law. Legislation working against women within the system. How messed up is that? That is fucked. That's fucked up. It's really fucked and up. And think about how that... in informs men mm-hmm. and women absolutely about their right to say no mm-hmm. and consent culture and consent culture i i'm really really finding out that consent um is is not people understanding what consent is should never be assumed no 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 because i don't think that most people know what consent is mm-hmm. um so that has led so this those two stories so the wolf packs mm-hmm. so the first group so the reason it's called the wolf pack trials mm-hmm. the first group they had a group chat and they mm-hmm. called themselves the wolf packs mm-hmm. la manada mm-hmm. that's why it's the wolf pack so the wolf pack of pamplona yeah. that's the first case that's the one that happened last year yeah. and then there's a the this second case is also the wolf a wolf pack case because it's a similar situation that yeah. went that way and um that has caused some, a lot of protest and a bigger push um a lot of feminist protests within spain mm-hmm. to change the legislation yes and it's gotten some support within government ranks uh, but it's also creating a national conversation around consent right which is important right yeah so that's also yeah a big- well at least they're having a conversation daddy yankee Oh, Daddy Yankee. Daddy Yankee. Yeah, he's a... Wow. Anyway. <laughs> Beautiful man. <laughs> he really is. I mean, wow. Anyway, um, let's not... But, you know, what's really interesting is mm-hmm. grime. Yeah. So, yeah, grime in sure. London. Mm-hmm. So, English hip-hop. I remember when England started mm-hmm. their little hip-hop enterprise and it was shit mm-hmm. just like canada <laughs> and you know like you know you start off and and you grow and you refine right mm-hmm. like there's you could st- look like when we first started this podcast it was like not really you know whatever but the point is is that you learn you grow mm-hmm. you develop you get more complex you get more strategic yeah. you get more structured so they've just come to the point now where they're killing it mm-hmm. and it's interesting because i was talking to my mom mm-hmm. No, my mom, my aunt in England, 
uh, the same one who had the birthday. And so she was talking about black boys, black youth, police. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not surprising to me that hip their hip hop is at a point where it is so well done. Yeah, UK hip hop right now is wow. So good. It's so it's better UK than the US. UK music in general, I think, right now is, is really it. really good. It's better than what we have yeah. over here because even the hip hop in the UK mm-hmm. has been um, really. Uh, it's it's almost replaced what hip hop used to be mm-hmm. in North America. Yeah. Those hard beats, the rhymes, like gigs. Yeah. His lyrical prowess. Wow. No, it's it's, it's some it's, good stuff. It's like it's like it's not the same style as a Lil Wayne, but it reminds mm-hmm. me of Lil Wayne because yeah. Lil Wayne and his lyrical prowess mm-hmm. is legendary. Yeah. And the fact is is that, you know, I, I'm not surprised that at a time when racial relations have hit such a low mm-hmm. that hip hop in the UK has 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 come up. Yeah. And is on still on mm-hmm. the come up. Yeah. It's it was really interesting around what happened in Glastonbury. The towers? Yeah. The fires. How uh, the um um tower f- uh what did they call it? Uh Grenfell Tower, Grenfell. sorry. Not Grenfell. Glastonbury, Glastonbury is a festival. Glastonbury is the <laughs> rock festival where where Jay-Z is like I'm a rock star yeah. a, a, a few years ago or whatever. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I meant okay. the Glenfell Towers, yeah. how the mobilization and the fundraising for that went through Stormzy. And how Stormzy Shut up. Yeah. Sto- by the way, Stormzy, everybody is amazing UK. Okay, so Stormzy gig Skepta. Yeah. That's what you all need to start out with. Mm-hmm. And then expand. It's a, a good start. Yeah. So Stormzy was Adele is getting that skeptic debt. <laughs> she is so happy. Have you seen this woman? Yeah, she looks. She looks really like happy. a million bucks. I wh- the one thing I do resent is the conversation around her weight has been really like people. This are is obsessed. why I didn't mention her yeah. weight. But yeah, that's a whole other thing. I she looks really happy, and I'm glad that she's. In a she doesn't look happy because she lost no, no, weight. No, 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 no. She looks she happy. She looks happy. Generally. And yeah. then people looks good. People just associated that yeah. with... No, 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 no. Weird. No, no, no. I feel like she's gone, like mm-hmm. she's gone through because her, her child's father was seems like an asshole. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> it, no, but it's also, it's difficult to, to be in a relationship when you have to work with each other professionally. Yeah. That's a very complicated. Yeah. But it's not hard to, to get navigate. into the relationship because you spend so much time. Anyway. Exactly. Um, um, but Stormzy was the one who mobilized folks around your that, wow, yeah, and created a lot of movement and advocacy, and created that's was one of the people who pushed really for that commission. He spoke at the commission too, mm-hmm. the hearings that happened, and now we we're seeing the reports on the other end, which are pointing some fingers, and it's going to be really interesting how it plays oh, out. Oh yeah, this 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 is something that was it was almost deliberate. Oh, yeah. With the negligence. Negligence, The the negligence was deliberate. Mm -hmm. And it was deliberate because these were poor people of color. Yeah. And what happened was, I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted that far, like they wanted something to happen to those towers so they can clear them out and move in new... Build new things, yeah. Et cetera. It's the process of gentrification is violent. Oh, absolutely. By nature. Absolutely. So, so hip hop, even in Russia. So we had there were protests earlier this year in Russia. Yes, and they were also the hip hop was very much 
involved like there was a really big culture of help hip-hop and protest there too a big link mm-hmm. so hip-hop has always and will always be involved in some way or another in protest culture yeah. and inform it in a lot yeah. of ways and yeah. it's a lot of people in america tend to think that they own hip-hop but it's no they don't like not anymore they don't it's gone beyond that and it's evolved in so many different ways yeah um that i find fascinating as a lover of both hip-hop and like people doing their own shit yeah (laughs) yeah it's 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 really cool because you're not going to get that in rock no and i don't know like okay we were talking about chile earlier have you heard uh the there's a there's a song that's associated with the chile protest and it's by this french chilean woman mm-hmm. and it's basically about banging uh pots but it's really catchy very much like a hip-hop pop beat and it's really interesting but also in lebanon they have more of like a dance vibe yeah right oh they love that shit yeah they love that euro cheese shit <laughs> it's making a comeback yeah, it's like I a know. thing i know it's, <laughs> it's always a, a european thing like it's <laughs> just like oh euro cheese <laughs> yeah yeah no but it- eurovision <laughs> oh, I hate that competition, but, but it's always so dramatic. I love it. It it is an interesting thing to watch, but yeah. it's such a cultural, like European thing. It is so it culturally is such European. a like. But I feel like it's culturally European as they imagine North American culture. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it's so interesting to watch what they think of us mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And and like because the flash is so cheesy, yeah. like because it's so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Anyway, like. I want to get back to Stormzy. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, well, no. Let's talk about Stormzy. Back. We're going to go. We're going to park back at this Stormzy. Mm-hmm. So tell us how Stormzy used his influence. So Stormzy, after the Glenfell fire, tower fire, Glenfell tower fires, um, he was because of who he is and being a celebrity, being well known within also achieving a certain level of re- like a respect and recognition through his art um used and leveraged his power and uh privilege to open the doors so he would be the person that um members of parliament and uh higher ranking officials within the city of london would open the door for and then he brought everyone else in oh so say that again he (laughs) used his platform to elevate others how novel i know leveraging his power to actually help and benefit his community okay so this brings up a really good a really good point mm-hmm. and you know there have been a lot of conversations especially within the black community about we have the, always have this com- like conversation yeah. about how we have our celebrities and we have our rich black people mm-hmm. and how much do they give to the community or how much do they give back mm-hmm. and is it is it right to assume that they should when white people don't and so on and so forth? And my thing is, yes, they should give back because until we're at that place of equity, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but you know, we're going to have to do some of that work for ours, for Mm -hmm. us, by us. And the thing about it is, is that if we want to be respected and have our voices respected, we kind of have to, you know, call on those Jay-Z's of the world (laughs) Yeah, to leverage their platform mm-hmm. to do exactly what Stormzy did. Yeah, that's what it means to be part of the community. Because mm-hmm. I can bet you, anytime somebody's launching, oh, I don't know, a streaming service, <laughs> guess who they expect to sign up for that service? That same yeah. community. Yeah. So you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. 
So I, you know, when it comes to, there's a reason that um, people are called out for doing nothing. You don't live in this world on an island by yourself with nobody Mm -hmm. to answer to. That's everybody has accountability. And if somebody doesn't, then you can bet that power is going to be abused. And therefore, I feel like, you know, you know, when Rihanna said, (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what you're going to say. (laughs) I'm not a sellout. Yep. That's literally what she said. And Rihanna gave us Fenty Beauty. And she will always be remembered for that. The woman is an icon. Mm -hmm. But um, and. I, you know, there are people like that, but then you look at the Dave Chappelle's of the world and you're like, really, really, nigga, really? (laughs) You notice I just dropped the N word a couple of times in this podcast, but you're black. It's fine. It's fine. White people do not use this word (laughs) ever. Of course, I don't know what what you're saying in the shower when nobody's around. It's fine. You can sing to the lyrics then. Don't be a Gina. If you do anything in life, don't, don't be, be a, a Gina. Gina Rodriguez, okay? Don't be a Gina. No. Let's, yeah. Just okay. don't. No. Just okay. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like I, like I think about this and I think about, I think about my own sort of responsibility. Yeah. And I think about this a lot mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's, it weighs on me, but not in a negative way. No, no. It's not, it's just, I shouldn't say it weighs on me. It's something I carry with me around mm-hmm. everywhere I go. Yeah. So, you know, I'm really, really truthful when I go and speak to like kids mm-hmm. in high school and above. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to tell you what your parents won't tell you. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. And it's always interesting. You know how we're talking about the gender, like we've talked about this a lot, the generational gap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always. Okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, boomers. Um, it's always baffling to me how a certain generation will tell people that same age range be like oh no 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 just do the work put in the time it will pay off and refuse to actually address systemic issues and be honest and they refuse to step aside oh yeah they will not they will be the good i'm the black friend who's gonna you know um absolve you of doing blackface because you know I forgave you, so my community should forgive you. Yeah. See, that's why I'm so angry at Obama. <laughs> Obama Obama honestly dissolved himself to be G- Justin Trudeau's black friend. Yeah. You're fucking Barack Obama. Who gives a shit about Justin Trudeau? I think I know why. Yeah, like yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. He's a liberal. Liberalism is falling to the wayside. He wants to, you know, help where he can, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I'm just like, no, no, you should have, you should have sat that one out. Yeah. And I think that whole Obama endorsement thing, that conversation didn't allow the space for, for wider peace around accountability. Right. It was, we will talk about Barack Obama later because I'm really, I'm, I'm at your wits end. Like the Brits would say. Let it not be said that I didn't stand for the fucking principle of it all, okay? That even Obama came in my crosshairs. Yeah, you know. Well, you know, whatever. Anyway, this the, uh, we're supposed to be talking about something. Uh, yeah, I think this so, week we're talking about global protests. We're talking about global protests. Mass demonstrations are currently occurring in Chile, Lebanon, Bolivia, 
Spain, Iraq, Russia, and before that, the Czech Republic, Algeria, Sudan, Kazakhstan. We, ta- um, we mentioned... Sudan. Um, no, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yeah. That one's a big one. That's a big one. And of course, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. The rate of protest has accelerated sharply of late as mm-hmm. various factors have converged. A slowing global economy, dizzying gaps between the rich and poor, and a youth bulge that in many countries has produced a restive new generation fizzing with frustrated ambition. In addition, the expansion of democracy has stalled globally, leaving citizens unresponsive with unresponsive governments frustrated and activists sure that street action is the only way to force change. But as protest movements grow, their success rates are plunging. Only 20 years ago, 70% of protests demanding systemic political change achieved it, a figure that had, grown stead- had been growing steadily since the 1950s. Mm-hmm. In the mid-2000s, that trend reversed. Success rates now stand at 30 percent. The two trends, these two trends are closely linked as protests become more frequent, but likelier to flounder. They stretch on and on, becoming more contentious, more visible and more apt to return to the streets when their demands go unmet. The results may be a world where popular uprisings, uprisings lose their prominence becoming simply part of the landscape. So mm-hmm. it's business as usual. Yeah. Um, so, few points. Number one, in Lebanon, so uh, we're like, what the hell is happening? I only got to a certain amount of these because it, literally, they're a lot. Yeah. So we talked about Puerto Rico. We talked about um, Chile. Chile. Last and, week. Yeah. And then we talked about... A little bit about Hong Kong. A little bit about Hong Kong. So... Um, in Lebanon, mm-hmm. the prime minister survived recent embarrassment, embarrassing revelations about a $16 million gift to a bikini <laughs> model whom he met at a luxury resort in the Seychelles in 2013, a move that, for, su- for some critics, epitomized Lebanon's ruling class. Then last week, he announced the tax on, attacks on WhatsApp calls setting off a revolt. Ain't that some shit? Ain't that you some shit? You can't even make a WhatsApp call in peace. Good lord! Actually, a lot of governments have started trying to do this. Where it, I think Lebanon and in Uganda as well. Last year, they tried to tax any social media, and that. Oh yes, yeah. Yes. So a lot of different places around the world are trying to see how they can leverage that to as a. It's not. I think people shouldn't see it as like a way for a government to make money, but as a way for governments to control access to social media. Okay, so can we just break here and just to say most, if not every government, uh, there's always a struggle between government, the state and citizens. Mm-hmm. And it's it's always being renegotiated. Yeah. And I think for North America, we have been passive for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, when things were good, the late 90s and so on yeah. and so forth. Um, and it's only after, don't forget, like it's economic crises that really paint Mm -hmm. the context. And, um, 
the fact is that economics in the Western world of mm -hmm. the last 40 years, and as we were talking about last week, the, the prescriptions from places like the IMF with their economic and trade liberalization has expanded and exploded economic inequality throughout the world. Yeah. And economic inequality never goes unanswered. It will always be met mm -hmm. with social and civil unrest. Mm -hmm. Like the like first of all, shout out to history teachers cuz you sure <laughs> as hell need you now and sociologists. Remember when people used to say you your degree ain't worth shit? Yeah. Wow, we need you. Shout out to also to philosophy majors mm -hmm. who've done some thinking yeah. that our leaders haven't. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm saying if anybody knew history, if anybody even studied it, they'd mm -hmm. know that the French Revolution was the greatest, you know, example of that. Yeah. And that every most like the Roman Empire fell because of economic inequality. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. But no, because we don't read history, because history is a, a waste of time, yeah. we don't recognize these things. But also what, what's important to think about, I think a lot of us think about the lead up to systemic change and the pinnacle of it, like when you have the, that moment where things shift, but often we don't think about what happens after. Okay. So even when we talk about the French Revolution, we often talk about the first, like what led to the French Revolution, the events of the French Revolution, but we don't talk about what happened after. Yeah, and we don't talk about the nuances, mm -hmm. the subtext, yeah. right? So there's, there's, there's an environment that's created mm -hmm. and an environment that is created that, that keeps reinforcing itself and only get bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger and more and more and create more imposition mm -hmm. on though on others mm -hmm. right and so you get to a certain critical mass of people yeah and then a critical i guess intensity yeah. and the and the powder keg just goes boom, boom right and i feel like and i i honestly think that the first part kind of contextualized it really nicely mm -hmm. you have old people baby boomers i think we should just name this okay boomer at okay this point. boomer yeah that's uh, fine i like um, that um we have baby boomers who are like uh who basically have gotten all of the benefits mm -hmm. from the changes that went on to protect the great generation so the mm -hmm. generation before them and then they pulled up the ladder for everybody else. Yeah. So when so when people talk about I don't want to leave debt for my kids, I don't want to fuck over you already fucked over your kids. Yeah. You already fucked over your kids when you voted for politicians that were A tough on crime, that <laughs> were B all about, oh, let's deregulation. Because deregulation, mm -hmm. I believe, has fueled a lot of the consolidation of corporations yeah. across yeah. the world, which has reduced um, economic competition. Absolutely. Which means, so when I say I'm not anti-capitalist is because we haven't taken care of, of actually practicing capitalism. Mm -hmm. Because capitalism, like for one thing, competition is one of its tenets. Mm -hmm. Not multinational corporations that influence our political systems. Mm -hmm. You know? That the is, system isn't even working as it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, so let's get the system working first yeah. before I'm not a throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of gal yeah like because you know 
that bath water has apparently is seasoned okay (laughs) (laughs) i think for me the part where i need to figure out where i stand and like i need to do a little bit more thinking and like learning around it is um often we we try and think like we can change the system Mm -hmm. i think the system is working as it was designed to work i know and i think we need to continuously have an exercise in reimagining what we want yeah and that exercise is and not letting people tell us that we can't have it Mm -mm. yeah exactly that that has been you know what this is my problem with political progressives. Yeah. They always tell you what you can't have. They don't try to make what you want happen. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's what the right does really well. Yes. Is that they never let people believe that they can. They're like, oh, well, we just want people to be realistic. What's realistic is your lack of ambition. Mm-hmm. And like Elizabeth Warren said, I don't know who, who would who would run for president just to say what they can't do. Yeah. She it was sh- right. It, it should be positive does that make sense it should be aspirational yeah you know when did that become a bad thing right now having ambition for a better (laughs) society is oh that's too much for us how are we fuck on then but erica how are we ever going to pay for it oh well they don't they never ask that about tax cuts because that's Mm. government spending too yeah okay anyway let me get back to to the issue at hand so even in saudi arabia where the threat of government repression makes public protests practically unthinkable. An unusual rebellion erupted on social media over a 100% tax on bills at restaurants with water pipes or hook. What? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a you lot. You can't even have hookah in peace in Saudi, in Saudi Arabia. Yep. What the? Mu- you know what? I, no wonder people are pissed off because even I'm pissed off too. <laughs> it's overreach. Why, why don't you, you know what? Why don't you put a hundred percent tax on like coffees or something, and and people here will still take it, and they'll be like, I'm complaining. <laughs> anyway, I I really I really don't respect Ottawa's you know adhere like adherence to the status quo. Mm-hmm. I think it's exactly what's going to drown the city. <laughs> Predictions from Erica. I'm just saying. In this corner. Yeah, I'm just saying. I have many. Okay. The Arabic hashtag, tax on hookah's restaurants, trended in the kingdom. Some Twitter commentators said the, lax co- the tax contradicted the ruling, ruling family's desire to change Saudi Arabia's ultra-conservative image. Or their murderous image, actually. <laughs> um, now, to Hong Kong. So, first of all, Sudan. Yeah. So, Sudan... Um, is something that I didn't write up for this, but yeah. let's just riff. talk about it. Yeah, um, Sudan was really, really eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. I also think the protests are very gendered. Yes, it's usually women mm-hmm. leading the protests. A right. lot of these movements are being led by women, as in Sudan. Sudan, Sudan was one of them. Uh, Lebanon, Lebanon is, is women too. There's eh? a lot of women yeah. at the forefront. Yeah. Um, Women make change. Men, eh. <laughs> <laughs> they're okay. They they're fine sometimes. Um, but Sudan specifically was such a moment for women in positions of leadership in movement building and organizing. Mm-hmm. And it was so brilliant. I think for me personally too, just to see black women uh, at the forefront of organizing and just absolutely carrying the the torch. And really pushing it in young black women too, and that was that was momentous and beautiful to see. 
and really being successful at it too They're yeah good. they know how to do their shit they do so why do you think it is that women are just really much obviously listen <laughs> i know listen i know this is a rhetorical question mm-hmm. but i know the questions people ask yeah no and you know let's just let's talk about why. it mm-hmm. um obviously it's because women build networks yeah and they and we can multitask we know how to build networks but we're also socialized to figure that out right a lot earlier than men are oh interesting and and this is something i've talked about a little bit before with like multiple people is women as women and as women of color specifically we are taught to develop our empathy muscle for other people Ah. a lot earlier than most do you see the look i'm giving you barbara (laughs) this is a (laughs) aha moment i'm having an aha moment right now but even in the way we consume media yes okay so so tell me talk about that so for example like when we watch movies well a lot less now but a lot of the media that we consume portrays people who don't look like us right and we are taught to have empathy Empathy for for those people yeah so we have to develop a larger a wider frame for our empathy Mm -hmm. than most Mm-hmm. So that means when we see things that around, like when we see injustice, we're going to be at the forefront of mm-hmm. that. And we're going to be part of rectifying that situation because we have empathy for people and we have a sense of, oh, okay, that's not right. And we should be changing that because it not only affects me, it affects everyone. So women and people of color generally are taught to have a lot more empathy and develop that empathy muscle mm-hmm. a lot earlier and then have a lot larger, wider scale. Mm-hmm. And that I think because we're the mammies, yeah, in a sense, yeah. No, but that's where it's that's yeah, that's it's, a socialization. Yeah, it's because black women took care of everybody's mm-hmm. children, yeah, over, through force, yeah, through slavery. But like, it's also, just, yeah, I think it also comes into play within our own movements. So why do we have a lot more empathy for black men being harassed by police and then being we have victimized black. by police than we do for black women? Because okay, you see girl you have just opened a can of worms it is because so um so i used to live in texas mm-hmm. at one point my my mom was was talking to a black american and she's mm-hmm. like they were talking she was telling me about this double standard yeah. between of dating outside your race like mm-hmm. it's okay for black men mm-hmm. but for black women it's not it's and seen as a betrayal it's seen as a betrayal mm-hmm. right and um yeah we're blowing some white people's minds right now (laughs) um and uh part of the reason is the glue of the black community Mm -hmm. are women Mm -hmm. but it's still a very misogynistic community because once you get into the halls of power Mm -hmm. uh all you see is men the, the front the leadership is the men Mm-hmm. But the women, the, the people who do all that work, the backbone are mm-hmm. women. Yeah. It's it's the same thing with the black church, right? Absolutely. And so um, I think that in terms of that comment that I just mm-hmm. mentioned, um, it's it's just the way gender works into this whole mm-hmm. black community thing because we, we're the mammies for everybody. Yeah. Not not just outside, but our mm-hmm. own, mm-hmm. and so that bleeds into how we interact with our men. Yeah. So when we see our men suffering, because that empathy muscle is exactly where it is, mm-hmm. that's the first thing we do. Yeah. You know, I and I admit it. Like I, 
Um, and I've been thinking about this actually. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, Erica, when are you going to? So I've been encroaching more and more on talking about sexism within the black community, but I'm very, yeah. very careful about it. Yeah. And um, because as part of the community, you don't want to be seen as betraying it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partially what it is yeah. when it and the way it works into misogyny is yeah. different yeah. than it it is for white women and it's it has a name it's called misogynoir yeah right um but even the That's people a glorious accent you put on it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's my, how you can tell I'm foreign. Oh, my <laughs> Canadian accent is misogynoir. 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 Oh, shit. See, it's a hard word. Misogynoir. Oh. Misogynoir. Okay. It, you uh, sound better. <laughs> no. Yeah. So that's what it is. Um, but even if we think about big life-changing movements, why? who do we remember as civil rights leaders from the 60s? The men. We remember Rosa Park, but we only talk about her as if she was a spark. We don't talk about the fact that that protest was on purpose. It was organized. She knew what she was doing. She didn't just wake up one day and be like, you know what? I'm fed up. No, she was an organizer. She was an activist. Rosa Parks used to investigate gang rapes for the NAACP. Yeah. You know? But her image has been sanitized. Yeah, because by a patriarchal white society Mm -hmm. that does not want to see any woman with power. And it's funny to me how, so I'm getting a little bit off track here, Mm -hmm. but we'll we'll bring it back about women and and protesting because I I really am interested in the intersections between like resistance, freedom fighting women Mm -hmm. and makeup and beauty. Yeah. Because I know that before... I remember talking to uh, Sandy Hudson Mm -hmm. from Black Lives Matter Toronto. Yeah, she's really cool. I know. She's she's at uh, UCLA Law. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I knew she moved to California. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, people always think, like, I love how people think that protesters are like dumb fox. Anyway. (laughs) No. um, So, not all of you. Um, (laughs) I... uh, she said, I said, I loved your outfits. Mm-hmm. Like the outfits were what drew me in. Yeah. And she said, oh, yeah, we had that planned. Yeah, of course. And so-and-so came in with certain makeup artists from the mm-hmm. community and we put our outfits together. This is deliberate mm-hmm. and it has been, um, it has been beauty and protest mm-hmm. are so intertwined in the black Absolutely. community. Yeah. And I really, really want to explore that at some point. And it's not just the black community. There's I don't think it is, no, but I can but only it, speak. Yeah, for, yeah. For, for I think Indian women are the well. same. There's a really cool thing that I saw this week about a woman who uh, did um, a series of photo shoots in black saris. Because black saris aren't a thing. They don't. It's black and sari. I, I, again, this is like very quick reading, but black saris are n- considered taboo in some way. I don't oh, remember how. Okay. And then she did a series on taking that back and re, re, reappropriating that and talking about taboos in culture. Yeah. And like that was a beautiful piece. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I want to get the country right, but I'm not going to be, sh- I'm not sure if I'm going to get it. It's either Cuba or Argentina. Mm hmm. During the military dictatorship, Argentina. There, it's Argentina, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, um, where mothers would protest every Sunday. P- 
peacefully. The disappeared. Yeah, the disappeared. They're the ones who brought down the Argentinian Exactly. And they would always come out in white. They would protest every Sunday, protected by the church. One time they did something good. And they would always show up in white because it was a symbol of unity. And what were they going to say? Don't wear white? Yeah. And they leveraged fashion. Yeah. Something that is seen as distinctly feminine, even yeah. though a lot of designers are men now. Yeah. And use that as a way to make a statement. Right. It's really cool. I, I think that that's fascinating. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the Mothers of the Disappeared in mm-hmm. Argentina. So a little background for people. Argentina had a military junta. Mm-hmm. What that means is that the country was ruled by a military dictatorship. Uh, that disappeared people. Mm-hmm. They Any sort of dissent, they literally took you off the street. Chile had the same thing with Pinochet, which last week, I forgot to mention that, um, what, what, really, what really I could not square the circle on yeah. when I first learned about the Chicago Boys. Mm-hmm. I, I did a, a economic history at one yeah. point for my degree. Uh, no, it was my Latin American history class. Anyway, the one thing that stuck in my craw was that these American men mm-hmm. of power and yeah. privilege and the Milton Friedman, this is why I don't like Milton Friedman mm-hmm. till this day. There are other reasons. But this I, is a principle. I think he's right about prices in general. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, they're all like, okay. Anyway. Flex that econ degree. Flex it. What? <laughs> that is my flex. However. What I could not understand, even mm-hmm. like as a young impressionable student, how the fuck could you give advice, economic advice to a government that's killing its own people? Because they don't care. Yeah, but I, I feel like at the University of Chicago, that was always my question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody else asked it, yeah. but that was always the question in, in the, the back, back of, of my mind. Head, yeah. And so... Because these things are inextricably linked. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, the military junta, right. So Argentina started disappearing people, mm-hmm. meaning that men especially, I think. Yeah, were taken, a lot of men. A lot of young men were taken off the street mm-hmm. uh, in broad daylight, never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. They were called the disappeared. Now, in the, this is in the 1970s and 80s. Yeah. Because I remember reading something that because uh, the world cup that's another thing i have a problem with by the way <laughs> the world cup in argentina in 1986 during a military dictatorship junta i know where they're disappearing people what the know. fuck that's okay it's that's going why, to russia that's and then qatar oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well it was just in russia it's going to qatar next it's yeah speaking of fashion <laughs> <laughs> You, you know the first lady of guitar, whatever they yeah. call it. You know she's a fashionista. Oh, really? Yeah. She's a goddess. Look her up. Okay, I will. Um, Queen, oh, jeez. No. This is a woman who takes modest dressing mm-hmm. and makes it fashionable. fashionable. It is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, like... Modest fashion has blown up. It over has the, blown up. And I'm loving it. Well, over the, over the summer, mm-hmm. there was um, a... A whatchamacallit? Uh, um, some uh, exhibition, mm-hmm. fashion exhibition. Okay. And it was on modest fashion. Oh, cool. And it was in New York 
in LA and mm-hmm. it was, you know they travel and stuff yeah, like yeah. that and I think no I think it was in Washington okay and that's that's I, I can't remember it now I'm gonna have to look it up but but you're right modest fashion Nike had the first hijab wearing mm-hmm. um athlete yeah she uh, is so impressive right she's a really impressive athlete we'll talk about her at some yeah. point i'm sure um and also i th- was it british vogue or allure that had the first kind of model in a hijab yeah. on the cover I, it might have oh. been british vogue i, I want to say cover too. it might have been british vogue because I, I feel british like allure vogue. does not have that kind of you know movement no they're not there yet. no they're not or was it teen vogue teen vogue is doing some amazing stuff but i don't think it was, it was because it was, i rem- i think it was british folk because i remember i remember thinking oh that's what happens when you put a black man in charge <laughs> oh yeah true i it's probably british folk but yeah because we, i don't yeah we digress although allure has made really mm-hmm. good strides under their like they've done great work as yeah. of like the last three years or so mm-hmm. so can't yeah. hate anyway uh back to so women in protesting and then we did this beauty side th- side <laughs> thing no but yeah like the women would you're right the women would come out mm-hmm. and they would they would carry pictures yeah of their disappeared yeah. sons grandsons mm-hmm. so on and so forth they are an example mm-hmm. of persistence yeah. and the importance of persistence. And I think that's partially why mm-hmm. our movements don't really go anywhere in North America. Yeah. It is the persistence because that's not what we're taught. Yeah. That's not our culture. Yeah. But the fact that you go there every Sunday on for years, years. they were doing no, this. I think it was one of the longest sustained protests in yeah. terms of like, they went every Sunday. Every it was a thing. Exactly. They would go to church and then they would go to the protest. By the way, there is a line in the Bible about um, persistence and getting what your way oh. and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a whole thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> I just dropped that in. <laughs> Biblical. Well, you said after church. No, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's it. The reason they were able to do that is they were protected by the Catholic Church. That's right. For a very long time. And that's why they weren't touched by the military mm-hmm. junta. Like it was just because they were protected by the Catholic Church, um, which is why I quipped earlier. One of the few good things they've done in Latin America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oscar Romero was another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just got beatified. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. I, youth and definitely women because Black Lives Matter was started by queer mm-hmm. women. Yeah. But... Do we remember their names? No, but we remember a lot. Well, we do, but not. They're not okay because I not, was about no, to no, say, no, like, no. I follow water Twitter. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, like they haven't become no, household true. names, it's like true. someone yeah. who, like Deray McKesson. Yes, I think Deray McKesson does great work, but he wasn't the one who started Black Lives no, Matter. He wasn't, but he has become a household name and has, in a lot of ways, leveraged his celebrity we'll mm-hmm. call it that mm-hmm. and a lot of the women who were the originators of black Lives matter black lives matter have not been able to in the same way does well, that make sense yeah but look at sean king yeah oh don't tell me can, we, can we can we tell white people why they shouldn't follow yeah, sean go king no listen look white people listen okay if you do one thing if you do one thing please just stop following sean king yeah and they're gonna be like why and i mean i'm gonna say this Every and I don't care which black person I know somebody's gonna met they're gonna be on my mentions but I don't care. That's okay. And here's the thing, every 
two years or so mm-hmm. since Black Lives Matter time, even though he was never a part yeah. of Black Lives Matter, Mm-mm. right? This man has done fundraising off the backs of Black Lives Matter yeah. and then misappropriated the funds. Or we just don't or know. Or we just don't know. Yeah. We don't know where the funds are going. People don't get paid. Mm-hmm. The same black people he says that he stands for are the same people that he does not pay. Yeah. And that he treats like mules. Mm-hmm. And so so the other thing, there's also this thing, well, they call him Talcum X. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny nickname. Yeah, it's fucking funny. Because he's racially ambiguous. Um and that's not even my thing. No. Because I there's a guy, Michael Skolnick. Mm-hmm. is not a black man yeah but he's all about racial justice yeah he's i don't even he might even be white i don't know we're not to be sure honest. but he's mostly white yeah. anyway he could pass yeah, that's the thing that's yeah. the thing and so and so what i'm saying is number one you don't have to be black to be in this space to fight mm-hmm. for equity you just have to be credible mm-hmm. and that is not credible to me so stop following sean king everybody yeah, no, Sean King has done some really exploitative stuff, and especially towards black women. Mm-hmm. And he keeps constantly building on their backs, like you said, mm-hmm. and then just taking everything away from them. Yeah. And it's really, really unfortunate that he keeps getting away with it. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because it's progressive white people yeah. who follow him. Nobody yeah. in the space follows or or even thinks about him. And it's one of those things where and for me it's I don't know it, it's weird like I would never put myself at the forefront of a movement if I don't feel like that movement believes in me being like who appointed him the spokesperson? I have no idea. Who gave him that? He just was like, you know what? There's a void here. There's a space to fill. I'm just going to fill it without the connection to the community. That to me is shit wild shit yeah okay so protest (laughs) yeah um let's talk a little bit more about like the chile protest like for me chile and iraq specifically are really interesting so iraq has had cycles of protests over the past couple of months only the past couple of months? Like, years, actually, uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> is more accurate. Because I was like, Iraq? Isn't that, like, the state of B? Yeah, it's, but it's been growing consistently. Mm. Uh, because they are two countries that are building on a history of internal unrest, which is very different, for example, from Hong Kong, that has a history of not internal of, yeah. unru- unrest. Mm, mm. So it's interesting to see that despite the history of the country these protests are happening and growing and being organized in different ways but they're Mm -hmm. growing Mm -hmm. and it's really it's telling like you were saying about inequality and how that plays into protesting right does that make sense yeah 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 there's like chile and iraq and then like lebanon is very different because they have a history of protesting yes it's very it's a very different uh, chile as well i think yes since yes the Pinochet years well allende mm-hmm. and if allende, you go yeah. if you go back to salvador allende yeah. um like his him being in power was a protest yeah yeah exactly yeah so Poor allende <laughs> i'm not saying that he would have done great things <laughs> but he didn't deserve to go out like that no not he, by the cia really, like no. like i like that for some reason that story hurt my heart <laughs> i was just like 
all dude wants to do is okay like anyway if you don't know the the story of salvador allende in chile i suggest you look it up just wikipedia okay like it's really just yeah and it's also worth looking into the connection i don't know michelle bachelet and her family connection to the allende's I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that the uh, former prime minister? She's a former president. Yeah. President. Sorry. Yeah. Who was um, a victim mm-hmm. of, uh, what's his name? Pinochet's mm-hmm. government. Yeah. Like she was tortured by him, yep. wasn't he? Yep. Wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah. And then she went on to lead UN Women and now she's back in Chile because I think she's going to be running for election or something. Yeah. Or maybe she's an interesting woman. I need to look her up. Yeah. She has a really interesting personal history, and then within the country's context. Look that up. Yeah, it's it's. it's well, now you I know why she was tortured. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um, I think another aspect of this that we need to talk about and maybe cover is how governments are getting better at stopping protests from succeeding. Because you were mentioning earlier, we're having a lot more protests, but they're a lot less successful. And how do we? Why? Um, persistence I think persistence is one yeah for sure Um, number two when people get the first thing that they want Mm -hmm. they they tap out yeah so for example um, it's like think about abortion rights Mm -hmm. right or or right to choose or whatever you Mm -hmm. choose to call it Um, everybody thought that was done yeah we don't need anymore it's like feminism like as a whole mm-hmm. oh, we don't need that fuck we don't yeah it's under you know? attack again yeah it's under attack and so there is a lack of consistency and mm-hmm. a lot of this in north america and a lot of this is because that is the north american culture okay. fast immediate um to my specifications mm-hmm. and so number one i think in north america people tap out early yeah they don't think once they they don't see it as as a long term thing. Mm-hmm. Number two is uh, so that in that is the lack of s- sustainability. Yeah. Number two is um, that zero sum game mentality too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were talking earlier about uh, off off air about a zero sum mentality of North America. If I get something, that means you can't have mm-hmm. something. And that drives a lot of the conversation, contextual contextualization and thought yeah. be behind um a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. So um I think s- surpri- like not surprisingly, um uh uh protests run by women mm-hmm. are usually i will guess that they're usually more successful yeah i would be interesting i would be stats, interesting actually. to see the stats on that mm-hmm. that's a guess i don't know mm-hmm. but the but the movements that i remember mm-hmm. were started by women yeah and so um so exactly argentina uh black lives matter mm-hmm. um and and some others that i can't really think of even white supremacy and the kkk though not started by women, 
women white women were the backbone they were the the ones who organized they organized that's the thing is a lot of times we think of like the figures the iconic figures does that make sense Mm -hmm. but we don't talk about the people who are doing the work behind the scenes and organizing and actually rallying people and like all of those statues around the south that we're (laughs) we're still trying to get rid of that was white women organizing yeah yeah white women need to like admit that they are um culpable oh yeah yeah but the whatever anyway uh <laughs> that's another story and that's no um but there's that so too many men mm-hmm. um <laughs> like literally too many men in yeah. these fucking organ because and here's the thing um women mm-hmm. here will start something but won't think they're legitimate until a man signs on yeah you know you know how many panels of women and stuff we were just talking about the Ox- was it oxfam yes that um uh i don't know the title for it so you're gonna have to like the oxfam feminist whatever i wasn't there went to? So i i uh wait what in vancouver oh that was women deliver oh women deliver oxfam. sorry i i got them mixed up um so women deliver had a bunch of men yeah. on the stage talking about feminism who invited them i think it's this competing idea within current like how we see feminism is having to include men in the conversation versus but i i again i'm not agreeing with this i'm just telling you what the argument is no i'm not looking at you like i know i know i know what you mean i know exactly there's a look i I just like i'm looking at her and i i like (laughs) all the things you know that oprah gif where she just tilts her head and she kind of just looks like "Mm." really i yeah and and I didn't give you that look yeah. because of what you were no. going to say. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean yeah. because it's like, hmm. So for us to have a, to legitimize our conversation, we need to have half of the panel be men. Why can't they just listen to us and just a yes and that's okay. So it's that weird argument where it has to be like, we have to include men in the conversation if we're going to make progress. True. But that doesn't mean they need to take up all the space. We also have to teach each other how to share spaces and be okay with that. And that's a, that's a big doozy. But yeah, that was. Yeah, um, Mendel. The, the need, the thirstiness, mm-hmm. the thirst, the thirstiness, the thirst to have men cosign. Yeah. Is is a bit much for me. It's because we just talked about how all these successful, mm-hmm. you know, there are too many dicks in the process, actually, coming yeah. to think of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in every possible no. way you could use the word dick. Mm-hmm. Okay? And to be honest, um, I think that's part of the problem. 100%. Yeah. They don't have that kind of staying power, mm-hmm. you know? And so we, we try to get men on board. Mm-hmm. And then they're men. Yeah. So they do very little work and get to take all the credit. <laughs> yeah. I think there's also another piece around government violence that we, in terms of like why, are, because governments are getting better at stopping these protests from succeeding because they're just waiting them out and they're using different forms of violence that are not traditional forms of violence. So when we're talking about violence in terms of like some of them have, so the Chile and Iraq protests have been particularly violent and the Hong Kong ones have gotten uh, some sporadic violent, um, episodes of violence mm-hmm. towards protesters. This is, that's very important to, f- to understand what I'm saying. 
but I think there are different governments have found way of being subversive yeah yeah um, through more sophisticated means so we'll have more surveillance Mm -hmm. and the use of ai well that's why the hong kong protests are so important Mm -hmm. because black lives matters happened in what 2014 yeah yeah it wasn't like it is now and it was also a different context i think in china AI and surveillance is a very, very different yeah. China, mainland China, but also Hong Kong and in yeah. in in that region is a lot more developed and has been used more as a tool of policing yeah. than it is right now. It's more sophisticated there than it is in the, the yeah, US in a way. But the die's been cast mm-hmm. and eventually it will come here. Don't think that we're beyond that. No, no, no. I mean, I don't know who in their right mind would think. I, I don't think people understand the extent of surveillance and how it's going to upend all of no. our lives. And, and the fact that there is literally no regulation mm-hmm. no legislation no nobody's talking about it is a yeah. problem yeah it's a big problem and i think it's a very north american problem specifically too because i what, think that nobody's talking about it yeah or? that no one's yeah because about. because in britain cctv yeah. capital there do you know they banned the use like they banned the use of facial recognition mm-hmm. until they could get legislation yeah um, in britain in the in the which Euro- is the most surveilled place, place on the, the world, planet yeah And in Europe, there is a bigger conversation around surveillance that has been going on for multiple years. Mm -hmm. And I that hasn't translated here. I am in the States. They're starting. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of grassroots organizing around that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in Canada it's basically not even a blip. But we don't we also don't have we don't in the States. They also have like publications and media dedicated to this dedicated to Mm -hmm. tech and ethics and bias Mm -hmm. you know i mean there these days you it's very hard to read a tech article Mm -hmm. that um involves other people yeah uh like society i mean society wide without Mm -hmm. reading about those implications yeah here in canada what can canadian media doesn't even have a tech vertical and if they do it's all about business business yeah and i'm just like and or you have to three pay like 350 dollars <laughs> for the logic yeah which is which is accessible. cost prohibitive mm-hmm. and i get it like be cost pro- whatever i get it yeah but the fact is is that there is no public forum where you can go and find information mm-hmm. on these issues i mean i posted on um my Facebook page, not in my color. Hint, mm-hmm. hint. Um, I post about these things regularly. Yeah. But honestly, and don't get me wrong, I've lost followers over it. Yeah. And likes and whatever. So naturally, I keep doing it. <laughs> um, but I think it's coming to the point where some people are mm-hmm. starting to realize. But it's still very few and very far in between. Yeah. And we're not having the right conversations. Mm-hmm. And so the part of protesting that I think people need to be aware of Mm -hmm. that is a piece is the surveillance and what Hong Kong has been really good at doing Mm -hmm. is, um, is concealing their identities. Mm -hmm. So the ability to identify somebody is weaponized. Mm -hmm. It's a weapon now. Yeah. 
So the Hong Kong s- protests um, are serving as a blueprint for social unrest worldwide. And the protests are now in their 22nd week, yeah. about five and a half months, and show no sign of abating. Mm-hmm. From blocking airports to using encrypted messaging apps, the tactics used by anti-government demonstrators in Hong Kong have been increasingly adopted by protesters in places like Indonesia and Catalonia. Indonesia, okay, there, yes, there is a protest in Indonesia, mm-hmm. I forgot, okay. There's something going on in Indonesia. Yeah, there's something going on with that. uh, Wait till... uh, There's also Malaysia with that whole... uh, Is that Duarte? No, Duterte is Indonesia. Indonesia? No, Philippines. Philippines, yeah. Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And then, is it Malaysia or Indonesia that has that really rich uh, son of the leader who went and spent public money and now they're getting sued? It's really interesting. It's wild. It's a wild story. I will... Google the name. Please, please, please send that shit to me. Yeah, it's it's a very like these rich people stories. Oh, they're else. the ones who financed the Wolf of Wall Street. So the guy who fin so the Wolf of Wall Street studios wouldn't finance the Wolf of Wall Street, but really? this guy did. And now wait, what? Sorry, go back. What? So the Wolf of Wall Street. What studio wouldn't? They wouldn't finance it why? because it was too explicit. <laughs> We're on the fucking internet, okay? There's nothing more explicit than the internet. Yep, I know. Wait, let me but find no, this. I need a studio head to tell me what I can and can't watch. And these people who... Why aren't the... Where's all this free speech energy for mm, this? Yeah. Uh, I need to... I can't, Well, I'll find it in like three days when I'm not talking about it. Basically, he is this... But he was going into public funds to finance his like expensive lifestyle and borrow against his expensive uh, public funds for his expensive lifestyle and then putting in debt a whole country and worsening the debt fuck and then what kind of lifestyle is he living he was known he was no he he dated a supermodel for a year and financed her whole skincare line which one uh it's one of the like famous white ones um what i think it's adriana lima (gasps) i'm pretty sure she looks like the type though (laughs) oh yeah she looks like a vixen she you could you could say that that's she the side no it's not to to be honest she look like i feel like she could roll i feel like she could do that how did dirty money fund the wolf of wall street send it it to me yep i'll send Send it to you it was malaysia i was right yeah so uh he robbed the country of 3.5 billion u.s dollars it's the biggest white collar heist involving government corruption and abuse of power and international money laundering. You need to send that. To I'll me. send it to you. Yeah. It, it, it was a fascinating listening and that's how they funded the Wolf of Wall Street because studios wouldn't fund it because they were like, it's too explicit. It's never going to do well on international markets. And it was a massive success. Here I who would have thought I'd be standing the wolf of Wall Street here. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it just goes to show the studios don't know shit. Yeah, they yeah. Listen, the best the best advice I can give people mm-hmm. is the people in charge don't know what they're doing. They kind of do, but the world around them has changed so much that they're like Gen X always in a fog because they probably yeah. are Gen X, but <laughs> But it's also they have n- they have no way of backing their they're like but it's never been done before, so it absolutely won't work. But that's not how the universe works. No. Innovation. They're going to be the, like, foot soldiers of innovation without actually doing the work. 
so they're full of white men is what you're saying mm-hmm. okay basically so <laughs> hong kong the largest the largely leaderless protests mean their departure from the traditional hierarchy of a political movement Hong Kong protesters instead plan every rally through a decentralized organizational structure. To facilitate smooth information sharing, Hong Kongers have been relying on messaging apps like Telegram and a live map that helps protesters instantly notice the location of the police. Remember the velvet, the mm-hmm. umbrella revolution mm-hmm. in yeah. Hong Kong in Which 2014? Was, it, uh, was it 2014-ish? It, ish, yeah. It was a predecessor to this. Yeah. Um, they used Evernote mm-hmm. and Instagram mm-hmm. for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they would share notes on Evernote and mm-hmm. then on Evernote has geotagging. Yeah. And so they would geotag the locations of the protests. Mm-hmm. It's really, really smart um, and agile. Mm-hmm. I think the agility of them is what is throwing people off, throwing off organizational structures because mm-hmm. organizational structures they're used to responding to one kind of protest. Right. Although governments have gotten a lot better. They have. Compared to how it was in 2014 to today. Yeah, but as my mom says, the, mm-hmm. s- the stricter the government, the smarter the people. <laughs> true. So It's true. Huh? So what I'm saying is protesters will come up with mm-hmm. new ways. Yeah. Um, you want some innovation? Hire a protester. Okay. <laughs> concealing their identity. So as I said, concealing yeah. identity is the greatest weapon. Protesters have used spray paint on surveillance cameras, mm-hmm. um, unfurled umbrellas to protect and conceal the identities of the group in action and to avoid facial recognition. Yeah. They have also used face masks to hide their identity. Then came the face mask ban, which includes the use of face paint, which has been shown to thwart facial recognition software Mm -hmm. they've also been this is the one i read about where they've been using lasers to blind security forces Mm -hmm. and that's another way they avoid facial recognition is is shining a light Mm -hmm. so even if let's say you have a reflective surface like glasses and Mm -hmm. you and you reflect them a certain way you can blind Blind, cameras so hint hint um (laughs) if you're organizing a massive protest because Our transit system is not great. Some pointers. <laughs> Your legs can take you where you want to go. Exactly. Um, so what's also interesting. So we talked about Hong Kong. What's also yeah. interesting is that small pocketbook items are the focus for fury. It's mm-hmm. the straw that broke the camel's back. It's the WhatsApp tax. It's the hook attacks. Mm-hmm. It's the transportation great increase um that is what is sparking Mm -hmm. these protests so um i think number one it's just an example when when you know how lipstick purchases go up during um or luxury lipstick purchases go up Mm -hmm. during a recession yeah I think that those little things are things that people can hang on to. Comfort blanket. The comfort blanket. It's like, you know, WhatsApp is communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, hookah is relaxation. It is time leisure, off. It's yeah. leisure. Um, what's, why am I forgetting this other one that I just mentioned? Mm. Um, uh, Chile increase in. Transportation we've talked mm-hmm. about. And it is because, and I think because these things are just so broad based in a society. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm pretty sure everybody in Saudi Arabia has its, has their hookah tie. <laughs> yeah. Or their shisha. It's cultural, yeah. It's cultural. WhatsApp, outside of North America, is the app. Yeah. And even now, people in North America are starting to learn. Yeah, but usually it's people with friends on the outside, yeah, right? Because yeah, that's how I use WhatsApp. Yeah. I know WhatsApp because I talk to my friends in Dallas and mm. London and across the world, yeah. right? Um, and uh so i think number one it hits a a broad base of citizens Mm -hmm. and so even if you weren't inclined yeah you're gonna be like what another thing Mm -hmm. it's also um unexpected for governments and i think that that's where the advantage is Mm -hmm. so governments usually think think of a netflix tax let's 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 assume that canada had you know passion (laughs) <laughs> and you know a, a, a fight a fight Sorry. in in them mm-hmm. okay um let's say the government proposed a netflix tax mm-hmm. like that's something that would cause a fury it won't mm-hmm. because we're too comfortable but it's something that could spark a fury because mm-hmm. everybody just wants to enjoy their netflix yeah. it's their time away from all the bullshit mm-hmm. and you're encroaching on that time you're yeah. encroaching on that cultural leisure you're encroaching on this i think on some level it points to an overreach by the state mm-hmm. that people are just not having yeah and so it's like okay you already have your cronies in power right you all the political elites don't get it mm-hmm. um and you all are corrupt or unjust yeah. or both mm-hmm. right and now you want to take away the one little thing i have control over you want to take away the one little thing i have joy with you yeah. want to take away the one little thing that that preserves my humanity mm-hmm. and i think that's why it is i think it definitely is a part of it i think it's also i think a lot of us hyper focus on the spark and not the underlying issues. So a lot of like the conversation around Chile has been around like, oh, they increased the fares by like zero point zero four percent. Was was that the oh four cents? Oh four cents and like that. Well, create. I don't know how much four cents out of what exactly. It's also like if you're getting two dollars a month, four mm-hmm. cents fucking matters. It's also people aren't talking about how expensive it is to commute in Chile already. Like, have we? why aren't we talking about that mm-hmm. why are students at the forefront of this movement is because they they have things that they like you know that social mobility that we were talking about that is problematic mm-hmm. chile being having a strong quote strong quotation marks around strong economy and growing apparently gr- gdp is still growing yeah but it's growing unequally it's growing unequally actually their inequality rate has been going down but yeah, but they're still the largest of the OCD, OECD, OECD countries. countries. And there's also... I mean, when you're more... When, when you have more inequality than Mexico... Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also social mobility. People don't feel heard or able to do things within Chile. So looking at the underlying issues and not just hyper-focusing on the spark. Like, the spark for the Hong Kong protest, most people don't know it or remember it. But the spark for the Hong Kong protest was a femicide. So... A woman was killed, and then there was the renegotiation of the extradition process. But that right, was, yeah. Oh yes, the story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the okay, it's coming back to yeah. me. It's coming back to me. Okay, the spark for the Hong Kong protest, and it had to do with Taiwan. 
Taiwan Mm -hmm. and it had to do with class. Yep. Because was it that he, somebody was of high class. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it was, I think it was her. I think it was her, yeah. And um, so what happened was um, they want to, she, okay, there was a woman. She, is she, I think she was Chinese. Uh, but she went on vacation with a they, boyfriend. Yeah, with a boyfriend. And I think he was from Taiwan, right? Mm-hmm. No, they went to Taiwan. They went to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. But he was from Hong Kong, or they were both from Hong Kong. Or I think, like yeah, that. I think they were coming from Hong Kong, going yeah. to Taiwan. So, oh gosh, you guys are gonna have to fact check this. Yeah. Um, this but you get this. You get the point. Um, so she and he went to Taiwan mm-hmm. for, I guess, an anniversary, or some, some romantic trip mm-hmm. or something. And getaway. then he killed her. And, um, and he was supposed to be extradited yeah, so to they China. Yeah, but even though they were both from Hong Kong mm-hmm. and they were in Taiwan mm-hmm. when it happened, mm-hmm. and then the Taiwan-Chinese relationship was a backdrop too yeah. because Taiwan isn't actually run by China. Mm-hmm. Taiwan is its own state. Yeah. And and the extradition laws in Taiwan came into that too. Yeah. And so that was the pro that was you're right. It yeah. was a femicide. It was a femicide. Yeah. But that no, well, was we a, don't remember femicides, do we? No, that okay. that is also a bigger issue. But that was the spark and now we've gone into a whole other thing. The protests in Lebanon, the prime minister, it was a prime minister, right? Yeah. He didn't use public funds. It was his personal funds. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was his personal funds. That's that's what's even kind of funnier for me. Um, it was his personal funds that he gave that South African model, but that still was enough to cause public outrage because how the hell does this guy have this much money lying around mm-hmm. in private funds? Just to give to a model. Just to give to a model. And not that models aren't people. I'm just no, saying no, no. like he didn't, he didn't invest this in building mm-hmm. a company. No, no, no. For example... Or the fact is he had the disposable income, income yeah. of $16 million mm-hmm. to give to this woman. Yeah. yeah. And that sparked outrage because it was that well, look one at thing. Exactly. That one thing was enough to call out, was enough to show the corruption that exists mm-hmm. within in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to have big... Well, I also think media has a role to play. And how we talk about these protests so and how we do it. Media. Let's do it. So media um, has a problem with protesters because mm-hmm. media is run by a bunch of centrists that got us into these problems <laughs> in the first place. And because media doesn't understand media, mm-hmm. that's obvious. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny to me. They will. I you know we are in an era where the most powerful people are the whiniest victims. <laughs> um, media wants to go to government and to have us fund their their idiocy. No. And to me, they have not invested in their product. So why should I mm-hmm. be? Pay, why should I be paying to help them invest in their product? And they're still not investing in it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day. Um, what I think is that what we don't have in Canada is is a really really good digital media to push those on the envelope mm-hmm. for for those people because if you look at America, what's happened is that you've had you've had stages, you've mm-hmm. had the media breakdown, you've had the rise of digital media, you have had the consolidation of digital media, mm-hmm. and you've had but you've had 
what digital media talked about because mm-hmm. they got the attention yeah. really fold more into mainstream publication and print, yeah. and print mm-hmm. than before because that's what got the attention so that they can sell advertising. Yeah. Um, what also happened is you also have a transfer of personnel mm-hmm. that is happening. The Wesley, the Wesley Morrises of the world, mm-hmm. the Jenna Worthinghams, um, the uh, who did sixteen nineteen oh, Nicole. Nicole. She works with the New York Times. Yes, I know. Like I'm, I'm gonna, seeing her I'm, red hair right yeah. now, and I can't remember when you. Her Twitter name is Ida B Wells. Yes, <laughs> who is you. one of my favorite? Yeah, favorite reason like like activists of all times yeah because she used to write about uh, lynching mm-hmm. Ida B. Wells anyway and amongst other things so um, that's what's very and so they bring with them not only that background but a way to speak about these topics right Nicole Hannah-Jones yes Nicole Hannah-Jones and so they bring with them a way to speak about these topics, mm-hmm. a way to to frame these topics. And I, I think in general, that's why American media as a whole is just better. Mm-hmm. And Canadian media is trash. And they have not because they haven't had that that um, that exposure yeah. to writing in a digital way number one Mm -hmm. because canadian media write doesn't write in a digital way no it's very inaccessible it's very inaccessible everything is behind a paywall everything is behind a paywall their websites are crap Mm -hmm. it's amazing to me and this just shows how they do not invest in the product yeah the website is full of of flash like like it, it looks like it's global's website looks like it's from 2010. <laughs> I hate it because they're always flashing something uh, and it's automatic play video yeah. and it's full of ads and I can't see where the real content is. It's not mm-hmm. slick. It's not sleek. It's hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me that with all of this garbage that they put out there that they can still go to government and get money. And I'm, I feel like I'm being taxed without representation in that way. <laughs> well, to me, I know when I first moved here, I was so surprised that you don't have public um, media. Like, for example, public TV that's that you don't have to pay for. Does that make sense? TVO? In yeah, Ontario? But, but that's only Ontario. In only Ontario, but even just getting the channels, you have to buy a bundle. You have to buy a bundle for CBC? Mm-hmm. You can't just get CBC. It has to be included in a bundle. It's very fuck off. Yeah, like you can find it now with the internet. It's well, great. No, you just like go to obviously, YouTube. And obviously, you I haven't had cable since twenty eleven. Exactly. Like <laughs> I've never. Whoa, I have been eight years since I've had cable. <laughs> wow, you're yeah. a pioneer. I'm just saying. But the accessibility of media is such a like. I read about Canadian news from, from other countries. So do I. I don't read Canadian no. news from Canadian outlets no, because, because they don't. They don't give you context. It's not told very properly. It's mm-hmm. not told properly. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, it's not our, it's not our job to make you interested. The fuck it ain't. Yeah. You're, you, you, why don't journalists, why don't print journalists think they're writers? Because they know. are. I don't know. And they don't know how to, like, they don't know how to tell a story properly. And mm-hmm. they always input these, these things like, 
anti-government protesters, anti-cop <laughs> protesters. And they frame these things in a way mm -hmm. that makes sure that the activist is in the wrong. Yeah. I remember those Black Lives Matter when they mm -hmm. stopped. All they did was stop a parade, by the way. Yeah. Like, think about that shit. Yeah. That's the, all they did. That's it. The coverage of the Black Lives Matter it Toronto was, protest was it ridiculous. Was an aber it's mm -hmm. no i it wasn't an aberration because it happens all the time but it was abhorrent mm -hmm. and um you can tell these like the same thing is and you know i got on my little you know twitter soapbox um <laughs> because uh there was i think um a guy who worked for political alex panetta or something okay he moved to a canadian I want to say it's either the Globe or or one of one of those, one of those yeah. right? A major Canadian. Mm -hmm. It's it wasn't the National Post. Like there's literally like two places he could have gone. Okay. So I feel like it was the yeah. Globe or something. Um. The people who took over his position mm -hmm. and political is new in Canada, by yeah. the way. Yeah. White or white passing? Of course. Where he's going is pure white people. Of course. So the people who fill backfill his space mm -hmm. and the space that he's backfilling is white, 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 mm -hmm. white, 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 yeah. white. And you think in a time of rising white supremacy, mm -hmm. of rising protesting, of rising um, inequality, they can't even talk about ep economic inequality properly. No, because they can't talk they about class properly. They don't they're not aware of it. They don't. They yeah. don't understand it. Exactly. Yeah. So then why should I look to them to inform me when they're mm -hmm. not informed themselves? Yeah. And that's my thing. I bring up I bring up this 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 political thing just as an example. No, no. And um and I will continue calling people out on this mm -hmm. because you know they will always give us the 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 smiley shuck and jive excuses, yeah. but they will never actually do the work unless they're embarrassed to. Mm -hmm. or, unless, pushed, or, yeah. or pushed or unless they start losing um readership, readership which they have yeah but, but then they they just run to government yeah i think that's the other thing too is we want to have so an independent can, media so then how can we mm -hmm. how can we um um cover these protests we media <laughs> um cover these protests them no uh, <laughs> yeah, no in a way how do we how do we expect them to come? These people don't even have a bureau to go to the place where the protests yeah. are. And this is something I don't think a lot of people know, but a lot of international journalists like correspondents no longer exist. Like they've been like a yeah, lot. They don't. They've been slowly removed from the landscape and you will have someone who is living in Paris covering the Middle East and Europe. Yeah. And that's not realistic i was talking about nala nala ayed mm -hmm. the other day from cbc yeah. and how i hardly see her anymore but she's a gift mm -hmm. to yeah. cbc and how they took adrian arsenault who's really a field reporter excellent yeah. field reporter and they stuck her in a suit and put her behind a desk and i'm like and now i hardly see her yeah and now i'm like okay first of all i'm like where are you hiding all these women <laughs> and then i'm like you're putting somebody who's a field reporter mm -hmm. a field journalist behind a desk yeah well did you see this was the bbc because they, they closed it oh wait what 
did it no it might have not been yeah it was bbc east africa was recruiting a new person for their office over Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. and the job description was the most racist thing i've ever seen really it they got called out really quick it was either bbc or reuters oh and it was like oh do you want to live in exotic africa and (gasps) like do you know like the whole like romantic uh idea that they had of like the 1950s out of africa experience oh like in that taylor swift video wildest dreams exactly where you see no black people Mm -hmm. um that african queen let me tell you as a kid i I, that confused the shit out of me yeah yeah because i'm like but where are the black people yeah and how i i remember i was like how old and i was like how come she's the african queen Mm -hmm. i didn't understand no of course not okay but basically they had this job description they were like this is why you have bad correspondence the person you're scanning for, if they read this, they'd be like, absolutely not. The person who's going to give you an actual great context of the region and understanding of what's going on in those places is not going to read this job description and be like, absolutely, I want to go live close to safari land. Like, what are we talking about? But that was a really good insight into the media um, like structure and how they build their reporters and like who they were looking for as a... Uh, correspondent it, i it, when you read it you're like this is appalling and who also who do you have an hr who's not reading this and scanning this and being like this is problematic from point a to point z it could be that somebody in hr did say that mm-hmm. ran it up the line and they were just cut down probably so very possible you know i mean the hierarchy has to go mm-hmm. in my opinion because it's very colonialist exactly yeah so it like <laughs> I just I don't know. Anyway, uh, wow, what a this week in feminism? <laughs> this week in feminism, it was wow. So what? What advice? Do we have any advice? Advice? I think I honestly think that in terms of protests, mm-hmm. protests that organize on social media mm-hmm. rise faster but collapse quicker. Yeah, it's like one hundred percent. So painstaking mobilization Mm -hmm. the writing of letters Mm -hmm. the uh knocking on doors Mm -hmm. nobody wants to do that work no but i also want to fight the narrative that exists a lot on social media minimizing social media activism okay so i would too Mm -hmm. because it is not you know people talk about keyboard warriors Mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah so so (laughs) like i'm sorry you don't know. The other thing, too, is who doesn't start out as a keyboard warrior? Yeah. It doesn't mean you stay there. Yeah. I started out as it. Mm-hmm. I didn't stay there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and this, 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 you know, and we're going to get to this at some point when we talk about this. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it is the most effective mobilizing tool. Yeah. But it can't be the only, only one mobilizing exactly. tool. And so the grassroots, painstaking, you know, hard work, mm-hmm. the wind, rain, and snow, and stuff like that mm-hmm. is still necessary to yeah. sustain a, a, long-term, movement, movement, a long-term, yeah. movement. long-term movement. And granted, you could do it digitally, in person, so on and so forth. There are many ways to mm-hmm. do it. But I think you need both now. Yeah. And you need, like, because the Hong Kong protesters organized on social media 
but they're still a grassroots organization. A hundred percent. But you can't make change without the grassroots. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like I, I'm, I was talking about Beto mm-hmm. earlier, yeah, and how I like him more now, or I actually like him now mm-hmm. that he's <laughs> dropped out of the race. Yeah. But not because he dropped out of the race, because I think he found his calling, mm-hmm. and that passion he mm-hmm. had. The calling out of the structure of racism. Mm-hmm. That I thought that was genuine. Yeah. And I'm like, where's this guy been? Mm-hmm. But may, but I think that he is kind of, he's a good example of how he had this social media hype mm-hmm. that died quickly. Yeah. But it's okay. Like, to me, who cares if he's not president? Who gives a shit? It doesn't mean he's not no. going to contribute. However, I think that once it got to that grassroots part, mm-hmm. he got a fuller understanding. Yeah. And so... You cannot do it without actually meeting people in person yeah. and working with them in person mm-hmm. and doing that work and meeting people in person because the people that you're going to meet may not have the access No, exactly. to social media, to internet. Internet's expensive in this it's country. It's expensive and it's also not everyone has access to it, right? Exactly. And that's something we kind rural? of... Rural? Yeah. Rural folks don't have the same access to internet as we do. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think we need, I think that's something personally I've been trying to remind myself more and more of. Like, it's great that there's this whole social network online, but bringing it back to in-person in real life and making those in-person connections moves us forward. Because digital is about people. Mm -hmm. It's about humans. It's not about the tools. Yeah, that's true. And on that note, we'll go to Rant and Receipts. Welcome back to Rant and Receipts, where we each take a story and bring it to the other to rant about. So, so first up, uh, I have a rant, and um, you guys are probably not going to... Well, fuck it. What difference does it make? Let's be <laughs> honest. Um, so, I my rant is with progressives who don't know who the actual threat is and this is weird it's random i know but really so we're here recording the podcast and i'm reading this piece in the toronto sun which i don't usually read but (laughs) this is like i i swear i've read maybe no i've never read anything in toronto sun let's be honest but um you know i i love to you know read about like the obituaries on Andrew Shear for some reason because I <laughs> I like I like laughing at his <laughs> at the conservatives thinking they could put up an empty suit and thinking that they could be Trudeau with this empty suit. <laughs> it's funny. However, the conservatives are not down and out yet. So mm-hmm. this piece in the Sun, um, by Jim Warren is entitled "Here's Why Andrew Shear Has Got to Go." And basically the knives are out and the conservatives are doing what they do best, which is eating their young. (laughs) They do that imagery. You know what they you you know, like any time if you don't win at all in Mm -hmm. conservative land, you're a big loser. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they eat their young. So um, so they go through the mistakes. Da da da. He didn't learn that he needed to appeal to middle-of-the-road working Canadians. He probably thought they were all yellow vesters, but whatever. Sheer is the, to use a Seinfeld reference, Sheer is the opposite George Costanza of Canadian politics. That is 
The, Who are you talking to this to is be writing Gen Seinfeld X Man. This is why they've... Okay, so this this reference is old. I didn't understand it. It's, Am I too young? Probably. Yeah, you are. <laughs> but, like, I... It's just... It's awkward and wonky. Yeah. And that's why... It's just very awkward to put in the piece. Like, yeah. it doesn't flow. Because then you're like... You're like... What are we doing here? Then you have to think back way back Mm -hmm. 20 years by maybe 25 to george costanza it's about 25 years okay shit anyway that's that's my age so okay i (laughs) eric is okay you're young i'm like i'm like i'm like and that's why okay (laughs) that's why you shouldn't use (laughs) generally didn't get the reference i know what seinfeld is have i watched it no but but like if you're the toronto sun why why don't you want to market people who can read? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a solid question. I don't like, think I'm their target audience. Obviously. I'm not who they want to be talking to, but <laughs> one can hope. Yeah, and then I'm like, at least it's not Brian Lilly. Yeah, fair. Okay. So they're going through the Pride Parade, blah, 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 blah. Lisa Raitt, blah, 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 blah. And how, you know, this post-election, blah, 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 blah. What Andrew Shear isn't. So basically, according to him, he sucks. We mm-hmm. all knew he sucked. But near the end, ooh, listen. Listen to this. Okay. The front runners to replace Shear will be the usual divisive suspects. Premier Jason Kenney and Doug Ford, as well as former federal progressive conservative leader Peter McKay. She Sheer will be removed if any of these people really start to organize. Uh, okay. They put those three in the same bucket? Yeah. Okay. Okay, but wait. That's you know, choice. there's a fourth. Okay. You know who else they band name they bandied about? Who? The intellectual heavyweight, Ben Mulrooney. Oh wow. Nick, please. Oh. Yeah. Please. Obviously. No. Wow. Really? Yeah. Cause because that's where they think they're going to get votes uh, from Ben Mulrooney. Choices. Choices. That's right. The, the conservatives really have to go through their life choices of the past few years because it's not happening. So I just wanted to say that most progressives think that I will, I will take one name on that list and mm-hmm. I will say Jason Kenney is the best politician in this country. Don't at me. I know you're not going to like this, but I just shit all over, like, anyway, the point is, I shit all over Obama, like, the past two weeks, so Mm -hmm. we should be used to this by now. Anyway, Jason Kenney is the best politician in Canada, Mm -hmm. hands down. Mm -hmm. He is, the man can organize, the man can do, like, can raise funds like that. That, Yeah. He is politically astute. Mm Mm-hmm. He has arranged mm-hmm. where he and the National Post now have a deal. Mm-hmm. The National Post is basically his advertising arm. Yeah. That's fucking brilliant. I don't no. give a fuck who you are. That is some brilliant shit. Yeah. And you know what the thing is, is that progressives have a tendency to walk three steps back from what's happening. Like okay. they're always three steps behind. Mm-hmm. It's like, dudes. You know, do you see what's happening over here? <laughs> you may want to put some some effort into really, really building up your base and doing that grassroots organizing yeah. piece. There's only so far TikTok videos can get you. 
Especially when they're being, you know, surveilled by the Chinese state. Shots were fired. I'm this, just saying. In the making of this episode. I am just... I love the TikTok video. I, I Okay, if we were to look at the three main, biggest parties, so but don't NDP, think that that's it. liberals, and conservatives, the NDP, especially towards the end, had the best communication by far. The what? The best communication by far. Who? NDP. An appeal. Okay. An appeal towards at least my age range for voting. Yeah, and that, where did that leave them? We have a strategic voting problem in this country. 100%. That's a whole other thing. Oh, I've been, but if, been saying <laughs> that. I have no... Yeah. I've been, I, I'm surprised that people still even listen. No, I'm not. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I've... I've Let's just say when I came, when we came out with the strategic voting mm-hmm. part, it got a lot of resistance, and I had to remind people that's how we got Doug Ford. Yeah, no, and to your point, I think Jason Kenney is a very strong political uh, thinker and political organizer, and underestimating him is going to come to at our demise, and like not under not seeing how he operates and not being observant observant but also cognizant take notes take notes like he is a very strong organizer he is very good at organizing and getting people to sign up to his cause he has done a lot of really impressive he's a really good yeah. politician he's a, i don't he's care what anybody really says now he has the backing now mm-hmm. he has a base don't think that alberta was the last stop people alberta mm-hmm. is him building out his base mm-hmm this well, is this performative this performance he's doing yeah is all about building his power base you know okay mm-hmm. Do, when you see the four apocalypse of the horsemen there on mm-hmm. on uh, being touted as the resistance on mclean's okay yeah. jason kenny is the head of the pack the rest are just followers because yeah. there's no way scott moe can lead anything outside of a brown paper bag okay <laughs> the man is an idiot i remember listening to him on like on CBC and he didn't understand climate change Mm, what no Jason Kenney is a very astute politician and Doug Ford is a dumb fuck I don't care what anybody says like a dumb fuck but not that dumb you know what I mean Okay. Like, like he portrays himself as this dumb fuck. That's the image he projects, and that—that's not necessarily it. And besides, he doesn't have to be smart. He's got Jason Kenney. Doug. Okay, so I didn't know the whole full history of the Ford family, and then I listened to there was a pod. Uh, there's a Dynasties pod. Uh, Canada with, Land. Yeah, on Canada Land. Mm-hmm. That's the breaks yeah. down like dynastic families in Canada. I was blown away. It, by the drugs or no just the full context of it i knew pieces of it like yeah. i knew rob and i knew doug but i didn't know the siblings the glo- oh yeah because the globe did a whole piece on it oh really yeah like three years ago or something okay so an investigative report mm-hmm. on the whole family totally that family is fucked. it's it's like fucked. a lot yeah of stuff going on and i don't even know half of it i bet you because now Mm-mm. i'm gonna run and listen to it's like a 20 minute podcast on like the ford family and it's it's eye-opening who else do you have on there do you have the mulroonies and their shit not yet so they're doing them (laughs) as they go they're doing 10 families in canada let me tell you who oh i know they're going to do the irvings they already did the irvings did you see also what 
Okay, no, no, no. I haven't listened to oh it yet. Oh, my God. No, no. I haven't gotten there yet. Hold on. So I think a lot of times when we look to the U.S., we see dynastic families and we're very critical and we're like, oh, it can't be this bad here. But like it's it's a whole adventure. It is such an adventure. Yeah. So learning about the the background of the Ford family was to me like I knew some of it, but knowing most like learning more about it was extremely scary and terrifying. But also what universe do we live in? I know. I know. But yeah, listen to the Irvings one. It's it's wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. All of them are a lot. But like I just the, like the thing is, is that I find that. OK, after talking about you know, things like cancel culture, for example, Mm -hmm. right? I find that um, it's just, it's it's irrelevant to the actual issue. Um, I just, it seems to me that, you know, what's also interesting about Kenny Mm -hmm. is that... I don't think he comes from a particular political family, does he? I don't. Not I don't, that I remember. No. Not that I. Uh, but I'm the worst reference for Canadian political dynasties I because I didn't so. grow up here. I don't think so. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't think the progressives or people on the left or however you want to describe them, liberals or whoever. Mm-hmm. I think they ignore the strategic the strategy of the right to their detriment. I will bring up the Merrick Garland um, Supreme Court Mm -hmm. pick Mm -hmm. that would have altered completely completely the Supreme Court. But they gave up, but the the Republicans held it hostage Mm -hmm. and they gave up on it. They gave up on it. I've never seen Democrats roll over like that, except for Obamacare. Mm-hmm. They rolled over and they let the... Rep- and somebody's going to be like, well, what could they have done? Okay, I'm not a political strategist, but I do believe that there's a way. You just have to be bold about it. Yeah. And that's the thing. These peop- progressives are... M- a lot of them in the political realm mm-hmm. are just political hawksters. <laughs> Yeah, they really are. And in 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 some of them really do have their heart in the right place, but don't have the strategy. Others think that they're morally superior and therefore don't have to do shit. They don't have to do anything. All they have to tell people is this is right for people and that's it. They don't feel that they have to put in the effort to do exactly what the conservatives did, Mm -hmm. which is they knocked on doors. They represent their constituencies Mm -hmm. rona ambrose has a really good reputation the conservatives are better organized they're better funded because they're better Better organized organized. they're not better funded because they get more corporate money which i'm sure they do but that's because they fucking asked for it yeah progressives are like oh capitalism corporate oh i don't want to go there and then they're unfunded with no money yeah what sense does that make you can be ethical about where you, you choose take to take the money, money, of course. Yes. But at the same time, it would be counterproductive because despite 
not if even if you feel like capitalism isn't the best system to move in right now you are in that system whether you can't opt out of it it's very difficult wait it's impossible it's It's literally impossible it's very difficult to opt out of the capitalist system to build your own unless there's a shift in perspective and laws right now it's just not a possibility yeah so you have to exist within the context that you're in yeah and the way we perceive value is money yeah unfortunately yeah it's it's shit but it's true it is it is anyway what's your rant uh i wanted to talk a little bit about um the nba backlash that happened after the whole hong kong thing Mm -hmm. and we're talking a lot about hong kong lately people and mostly i want to talk about glad about because we didn't during the yeah and mostly just to talk about the response that the players had like not just specifically like just the interpretation of the players the players interpretation of the situation and just the ex- the effect that has on transnational solidarity does that make sense mm-hmm. so basically um what's one of is he the managing director of the rockets uh i da- daryl yeah okay I'm, you keep going. I'm yeah. going to find out. Okay. So basically this dude sent out a tweet saying, uh, uh, I stand with Hong Kong. Yes. He's the Rockets, the Houston Rockets general manager, Daryl Yeah, He's Morey. a GM. He's a yeah. GM yeah. for the Houston Rockets on his personal account. Let this be clear. Uh, tweeted out that he stands with Hong Kong. And uh, that tweet was up for maybe 15 minutes and p- took it down because he got criticism and the rockets organization uh was like you can't have this up because we have a partnership with china uh long story short the nba um and the rockets team itself um dis um disowned his tweet and said that that was a personal choice that that had nothing to do with the rockets organization and the beliefs that the rockets had in terms of that relationship between Hong Kong and China, that they had nothing to do with it and disassociated themselves with with the GM. China still responded by being very, uh, the backlash. There was a, a lot of backlash. So the NBA that was playing in China at that time, uh, the NBA teams, including the Rockets, who were playing in China at that time were uh, told to leave. Uh, they lost their TV rights. All of these things happened. Uh, but the part that I want to talk about is the response that LeBron James uh, had to this whole situation. Was His response was to say that... Um, what did he say? Speci- I don't want to misquote him. But he basically said that um, the GM had made a mistake. Um, that he didn't realize the harm that he could cause to people, especially financially, um, and basically insisted that he should have stayed out of it. I think it's rich of him to say that, especially as someone who was told to... I got the tweet. Go, okay. go for it. So before you get on to yeah. that, I'm just going to read the tweet. It said, or the response, not the tweet. Mm-hmm. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen when you're not thinking about others and you only think about yourself. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into a word or sentence feud with Daryl Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on the situation at hand and he spoke. End quote. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty damning of him to say, and that's rich for him to say. Coming to think of it, okay. No, it's a, it's a, and that's the thing that made me the most upset. I guess. What's with these black men? No, but he's no, the no, guy. No, 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 no. There's there's a black male, like. I don't know, toxicity just emanating off mm-hmm. from dudes who actually made... I'm not saying J- LeBron James didn't make his... You know, didn't have a name before, but with his social justice work, he's basically skyrocketed okay, yeah. to superstardom. So for him to say this is very fucking rich. And it's hypocritical. Oh, 100%. Okay. Because he's the dude who was told by uh, Trump to shut up and run. And he had the audacity to say Run, this. Run, Negro! Yeah. But no, basically. So if you, in your situation, when you had a, you had skin in the game, you felt comfortable enough to be like, listen, this is not okay. I'm not just going to shut up and run. I am allowed to be a political being. I'm allowed to have political opinions, even if they may differ from yours. And I'm not just going to be here and do nothing. And, the, and, and it's extremely rich on top of that because the NBA is considered to be the most progressive league out there when it comes to sport. Wrong. They're marketed it that way. Mm-hmm. So the NBA, once Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe t-shirt showed up on, on basketball courts, the yeah. NBA embraced it as much as a corporation can because, number one, it was their top players, really, yeah. who were making that protest or and also um the nba has a large i would say their their audience is probably mostly black and hispanic yep um and basic and more so than the than football yep 100%. i would say so let's not pretend that it didn't just dovetail nicely into their audience mm-hmm. like how nike and kaepernick did yeah. their little swan dance nicely because mm-hmm. of the audience. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, let's not pretend that corporations have hearts or are people. Mm-hmm. No, they, they don't. And But it was extremely upsetting to see him and then Harden as well saying that um, apologizing on behalf of the on his behalf and on behalf of the team, saying that he left China, he loves playing there. That's James Harden? Yeah. Oh, he's at Houston. Yeah, okay. he was a Houston player. So the Rockets of all the different associated organizations with the NBA took it the hardest because China wanted to make an example of them. But it was ridiculous. And, okay, so this is the only time in my life that I will say this. What's that? I agreed with Ted Cruz's statement about this. I know. Listen. <laughs> Let me tell you something, okay? This is what I'm finding out. I, you know, I, I'm not wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. I literally stick to, you know, blackface is bad, yeah. no matter who says it. So I think people were surprised because I got backlash from the Obama thing when I posted mm-hmm. all over the thing that Obama's full of shit. And, um, well, yeah, I, I think I posted something like, oh, well, you know, the Obamas will get no money from me again mm-hmm. and um, something like that. But I got a lot of like I got backlash, not from black people, by the mm-hmm. way. No, it's not the backlash I get mm-hmm. from saying 
you know that obama was wrong mm-hmm. is not from black people no which is another layer of su- white supremacy that i am not here for mm-hmm. okay because if this were a black people conversation that we could have that conversation we could have a real conversation yeah i don't need non-black people coming in telling me how i should feel about fucking barack obama the first goddamn black president absolutely not yeah okay so there's that yeah so, but yeah, like I think that going back to that, like going back to to hard poor James Harden of all people had to apologize. Really? They because the rockets. So what happened with the rockets? China decided that they were no longer going to support like the national broadcaster was no longer going to show. Okay, rockets games. I need and stuff to like give that. a little bit of 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 marketing background mm-hmm. because the reason this is so hit the reason the shit hit the fan Mm -hmm. was because it's daryl morey a general manager for the houston rockets Mm -hmm. let's review the houston rockets yeah where did yao ming play houston rockets where is yao ming now china isn't he Yeah, yeah 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 the connection between the the rockets and china is strong it's strong and Mm -hmm. it's financially strong Mm -hmm. and so Th- that puts an extra sort of layer, layer on to it. it yeah, okay. yeah. A lot of people in China, their first jerseys, where they first recognized themselves, were Rockets jerseys. That's right. Which is a really every big time, deal. Yeah, every time Yao Ming came to play in Toronto, mm-hmm. it was boop, basically Chinese people. Yep. Just coming out and supporting their man. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So that is that is the context mm-hmm. in uh, financially and financially, that's why yeah, yeah. that's why the houston rockets and the nba lost their shit when this happened yeah is because there's just so much money so go on with the china state broadcaster because i know that they canceled the nba contract mm-hmm. there are other places that canceled appearances and so mm-hmm. on and so forth Carry on. and they were saying so basically if someone had bought so you can buy different bundles so they sell them in bundles and if you had bought a bundle that had rockets games you could get reimbursed they give you your money back because this is also part of the propaganda against hong kong by the mm-hmm. way so you know it's funny to me how oh by the way deadspin yep. remember deadspin <laughs> deadspin there's so many there's so many tentacles well fuck deadspin because deads okay the reason we're laughing at deadspin because a bunch of um corporate executives at deadspin because they don't understand the internet because they don't know shit as mm-hmm. we have already established basically in last week in the last episode decided that they were going to decree that you're only going to write about sports you're not going to write about anything else you're not going to write about the intersection of sports and politics or anything like that mm-hmm. you're only going to write about sports well they lost a lot of fucking subscribers after that. They lost all of their writing staff. And all of their writing staff. And it was interesting because as... It ta- I love that the writing staff just was like, oh, really? Fuck yeah. Fuck you and peace out. And they did it all together. That's which so I was awesome. like, oh, You know what that is? Collective, collective action. <laughs> I love it. Lo- You'd love to see it. Love to see it. Um, It was really, really good to see that. But also just the they came with receipts i don't know if you saw this like a couple of them were like okay listen they're telling us to stick to sports my articles that i've written that haven't dealt with sports have gone double the clicks yeah because that's how 
content works. Exactly. And do you see what I say? People, your the bosses, your executive team at your work literally does not understand the internet or social media still. No. They don't understand technology. They don't understand how it's changed lives. They don't understand how it's changed conversations around these topics. But they know nothing. specifically how it's changed journalism. I know. It's exciting. It's, it is. It's, it's a whole new world. Right. With so many intersections yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. I cannot read. Like, it's very hard to read um, a lot of Canadian media now. Yeah. And the reason is, and I don't, I hardly read any Canadian media mm-hmm. except when I need like to put together like facts little mm-hmm. factoids or whatever yeah. the reason is is that it is so narrowly focused it is so one dimensional mm-hmm. it does not deal with the intersections of things the mm-hmm. intersection of sports and politics mm-hmm. Politics is pop culture. The oh. internet is pop culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like all of these things are going to come together. And if you cannot give an analysis that is wholesome, mm-hmm. that is uh, integrated and multifaceted, then I'm sorry, you're just not good at it. And I also think Canada specifically doesn't know how to talk about race. Well, obviously. Doesn't know how to talk about generations yep. and the generational gap. Mm-hmm. Because it's a like... A, Girl, there's so many reasons. So no, many. and it's as we as media tries to grow and adapt. If they're not able to talk about those things, they're not going to be able to adapt. No, and they're going to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for Canadian media dying on a vine. No. I, I, I really am. And before anybody tells me about oh the journalists and their jobs, and I'm like they're the journalists with jobs. Mm-hmm. What about the journalists without jobs? Yep. What about the journalists of color who routinely are last in, first out? Yeah. Oh, where's where's all this energy for them? It's not going to be there. Okay. The second thing that that spin story taught me is to have a fuck it fund. Nice. And I've been like a fuck it fund. No, seriously. Because at some point or another, you're going to be working in a, if you work in big corporations and big organizations, you're going to be faced with a, um, an ethical uh, you're going to be at an ethical crossroads and you have to give yourself the opportunity to say you know what this doesn't match with my beliefs and values and this is where we part ways yeah so having a fuck it fund is really 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 important how, how many months uh it Six? depends I honestly think that's more of like a mythology okay because we're in a gig economy Fair. So you, you know? can pick up a gig. You can pick up a gig. Like, you don't have to have six months worth of savings. Fair. Okay, yeah, If that you makes can pay sense. rent for m- one or two months, I think you're fine. Yeah. And you don't incur... T- if you if you have, like, long-term debt, of course, it's a little bit different and all mm. that stuff, but it's important to have the flexibility and the ability to be like, listen, our values are no longer aligned. I need to step away. This is beautiful advice. Mm-hmm. I totally, totally support this. And we're going to end on that high note. Get a fuck it fund. Get a fuck it fund. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody, we're out. So we will see you next week. And make sure you uh, support us on our Patreon. And sh- shout out to Barbara for coming in and oh hanging God. out. Anytime. And uh, so we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.